ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to another episode of In the Crease. We are so grateful you are listening. Linda Cohn, Emily Kaplan. We have a jam-packed podcast for you coming up. Colorado Avalanche All-Star Nazem Kadri. Not only that, we have our five-minute major segment with one of our talented colleagues, play-by-play guy Bob Wushuzen. Honestly, Linda, this might be our most packed episode yet because last week I went to Vegas, secret trip, to interview Jack Eichel ahead of his return to Buffalo, which is happening Thursday night on ESPN+. Plus. I'll be in Buffalo for that game. Um, but we had a really long conversation and got into a lot about the end of his career there. And we'll play a segment of that at the end of this podcast. Plus, our Between the Bench segment, it's a new one that we're going to introduce where Linda and I share a story from Between the Bench. I had a funny one from the Caps game that I had the other day, and I wanted to share it. So... We've got a lot coming up, Linda. Can't wait to hear it, Emily. That's for sure. But right now, it's time for our sit-down conversation with Colorado Avalanche All-Star, Nassim Kadri. And now joining us, we are so excited. He is a forward for one of the most fun teams to watch in the league, the Colorado Avalanche, and it's Nazem Kadri. And Naz, I guess I just have to begin and ask about the Avalanche this season. I feel like entering the year, there was so much expectations for how far this team can go how are you guys handling that um you know i we're a pretty humble group i'd 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 say so uh you know you try not to think too much of you know what everybody else thinks and just try to focus on your business so you know we understand there's a lot of great teams in the league and uh you know we respect everybody but you know that being said we got a lot of confidence this year and we got a great team so it's it's going to be exciting Naz, uh, I got to talk about you. Congrats, first of all. I know the season's not over, far from it. All-star season, uh, the numbers you're putting up, remarkable. Heading into this season, what was in your head? Did you change anything, your routine, your regimen, uh, to get these amazing results really coming to your into your own at this point? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, for the most part, I really didn't. I mean, obviously, with how uh, last year ended, you know, I had uh, – you know, a little to prove. And I felt like I just you know, wanted to bounce back for, for my team and myself. And, uh, you know, so far we've been able to do that. So you know, I think you just, you know, every summer you try to focus on some weaknesses that you have and just try to evolve as a player. And, you know, I always think experience helps. So, uh, you know, it's been fun and, you know, we're looking for a great finish. So Naz, I've learned that you are a Los Angeles Lakers fan and you can take this answer wherever you want to go, but which player in the NHL is most similar to LeBron James? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I'm definitely, uh, you know, been keeping tabs with the Lakers and not, you know, overly not doing so great. <laughs> not overly Thanks, impressed Linda. with the results this year, but uh, you know, that's professional sports, you know, it's, it's all, it can be all over the place sometimes. And, and when your team doesn't mesh, there's just not much you could do, but I don't know. I might have to just go with a uh, guy on my team, Miko Rantanen. He's, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a physical specimen, just like LeBron. Very skilled, very smart. So, uh, you know, Miko's a comparison for me. I like that. Yeah, no, for sure. I, Naz, I want to get back to you. You know, you talked about you, you try to find some things to work on uh, and you did that. Uh, was what were some of those things? Because did you ever like say to yourself, you know, if you're putting up these numbers, which are absolutely amazing, 
okay, I guess that was a good decision I made, or I'm glad I did more reps about this. I mean, why does it look so easy for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, just obviously certain things clicking, you know, our power play has been good, uh, you know, playing with some good players. I've, um, you know, in the summertime, you really, really tried to work on, you know, my release and just trying to get my shot off quicker. And, you know, I'm starting to understand that, you know, it's not necessarily how maybe hard you shoot it, but I think quickness is a little more important than power. So, uh, just, you know, little things like that, you know, me being playing the middle position on the power play, the bumper spot, you know, how you have to be able to make, you know, quick decisions and, uh, you know, distribute and facilitate whenever you can. So, um, you know, for me, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I try not to be a complacent person. So, you know, even the numbers I'm having and, and the season I'm having, I always, you know, strive to get better and, and, uh, you know, and want more. So, um, you know, it seems to be a, a good, good recipe for me. So Linda keeps driving you back on the ice, but I keep taking you off it. I want to know. <laughs> I feel like the NHL is just so obsessed with dogs. We talk about which players have dogs. Every team has a dog these days, but you're a cat person. What's it like being a cat person in the NHL? <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, she's uh, she's good companionship. She's a rescue. So, uh, you know, I got her, uh, I got her a, a while ago. So I was just definitely looking for some company and, you know, she's low maintenance. So that that's what I love about cats over dogs. I mean, I, I love dogs of course too, but, it's too much work. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely, uh, turned into a cat person and, um, you know, her DNA, I'm, I've always just been amazed with, with those type of animals and, you know, how they react and the certain things they do. So yeah, definitely a, a cat guy for sure. Interesting because, you know, cats, nine lives, they always keep coming back and surprising you. You can make the analogy. That's what you're <laughs> about as well. Naz. And I'm getting you back on the ice. Because uh, obviously you kind of made reference to it, the way the season ended for you last year, you know, it was disappointing. You know, the eight game suspension, you were really outspoken. Uh, and I thought that was really cool talking about Brad Marchand's recent six game suspension uh, for what he did against Pittsburgh goalie Tristan Jari. You made it seem like, let's put it this way, that there are targets on your backs and there's different, the way you guys are judged, right? Because of the history. And talk to me a little bit about that and how you feel about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's unfortunate at times. It can be uh, for sure. But, um, you know, that being said, there's really not a whole lot you can do about it, you know, in, in terms of uh, complaining. Um, you know, I, I definitely think there's a, you know, a few, you know, kind of high profile guys that are usually, um, you know, the, the poster boys for, for the message sending. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you just try to try to be smarter. And we understand, uh, you know, that our teams are are better suited with us on the ice. So, um, you know, for me, it's just, uh, you know, you, you just got to watch it. You just got to be aware all the time. And um, of course, I just I just want to play. I want to be on the ice. You know, I don't want to be sitting out and uh, especially in those, um, you know, big time games where I feel like, uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm meant for. And um, that's, that's a great opportunity as a player and as a team. So just try to focus on what you can do off on the ice, you know, off the ice, I got a whole department for that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, a little bit out of our control. You know, I know when I've talked to you in the past and as we've talked about sometimes what the outside noise says and the haters versus what people in your actual locker room say and your management, and it's always a disconnect and you have to listen to the people that are closest to you. So 
I'm just curious over the years, you know, and especially when you've had these suspensions and people are talking about you, there's haters. What's your relationship with social media been like? You know, have you searched your name and how has that evolved? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it can be a slippery slope for sure. So I, uh, <laughs> we know, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm definitely in tune with the social media aspect and connecting with the fans and, and, uh, and things like that. I feel like it's a great platform to do so, but you know, sometimes it, it can definitely get a little bit negative and that's when you try to, to stay away from it. But, uh, for me, you know, I've always, you know, had that mental toughness, even growing up just, uh, um, you know, let that be the fuel of the fire, you know, so to speak. So, you know, that to a certain extent motivates me. And I understand that no matter how well you do, you know, someone out there is going to say you can't do it again. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for is just to constantly try to prove people wrong. And, you know, I think I've had some pretty good success over the years. You know, as, as we get older, of course, we always change. And you have spoken freely about, you know, I can't believe. I mean, I feel like you just entered the league. But now you're you're a veteran, what, 30, 31 years old since you were drafted by Toronto. Naz, talk to us about how you feel you have changed and how much have you since that day when you were drafted. Oh, a lot's changed for sure. I mean, that that maturity aspect, I feel like you just grow as an individual. And that's that's, you know, what you what you want to see. And I think that's kind of human nature a little bit. You know, you start off young and naive and a little immature and maybe do things you wouldn't you wouldn't do 10 years down the road. So um, you know, for me it's just like I said, like I mentioned earlier, just trying to constantly uh, you know, get better each and every day. And, you know, as a person, as a teammate, as a player. Um, as a father, as a husband, whatever the case may be, I think, uh, you know, just, uh, it's part of my DNA. It's, it's, it's a genetic thing where you just, uh, you know, you always want to try to evolve, evolve into, uh, you know, a better player or person. Now, now that the world is getting a little bit back to normal, you guys can do normal things again, like go to dinner on the road and golf and, you know, do charity work and things like that. I want to know when you're on the road, what city are you most excited to go to? And what's the first thing you do in that city? Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a relief, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, no more DoorDash, which is <laughs> incredible. You know, you can actually go to a restaurant and enjoy your teammates company and, and be around everybody. So and that's one thing I feel like uh, a lot of people took for granted. And, um, you know, now that it's bounced back, I feel like everyone kind of appreciates it a little bit more, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm always a fan of the Canadian cities. You know, you guys know how I feel about Toronto, just uh, so many good restaurants and friends and um, went to a basketball game earlier this year when we, when we visited there, Las Vegas is another uh, great one for me, you know, on some off days, you maybe go play some golf. Uh, in a climate like that or you know maybe play some cards depending on how you're feeling so uh, it's nice to definitely have that uh, dynamic where you can just you know be out and just be be, being yourself again I want to know you seem like you're a big golfing team who's the best golfer on the avalanche and the worst golfer um the best I mean Nate Nate might be up there I think like between me Gabe Nate and Berkey probably you know we're, we're we're competing we probably those are the players I like to play the most um I mean the worst I don't know it depends how you look at it really Berkey I'm always going 1v1 against him and he's he never comes out on top so 
you know, it could be, uh, could be him, but we're, we're, you know, we got a great group of guys and we're all competitive people. So it's always, you know, fun when you can, uh, you know, compete in something else other than hockey. Tell us something we don't know about Nathan McKinnon. He appears quiet, but something tells me there's another side of this guy. Oh, he's, uh, he, he's, he's one of the more competitive people I've ever been around. You know, Nate's, uh, you know, that guy's for real. You know, he's, he's a guy I'd want in my corner, you know, in a, in a game seven and, uh, in a Stanley cup final. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that puts it all on the line, you know, very intense, cares a lot about winning and losing. So, uh, and what I love most about Nate is, you know, he's got that, obviously he's a superstar, one of the best players in the world, but he's got that gritty aspect to him and he's got that physicality and, you know, kind of that, uh, that nastiness that, you know, that I really appreciate. So, uh, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure playing with him. And, you know, I've, uh, I've learned a lot. Last one for me, you know, when you think about your career, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, as a winner, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, that's important. I think as your career unfolds and you start, uh, you know, putting everything into perspective, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's how a lot of guys' legacies are defined um, by winning and losing. And, you know, I've, Fortunately, I've, you know, I've, I've been on, you know, the worst team in the league and I've been on the best team in the league and you now I'd pick the best team in the league any day of the week. So uh, for us, it'd be, you know, incredible to try to get something special done this year, but um, you know, just, just a fearless competitor and, and a winner. That's something I, I want to be remembered for. Awesome. Naz. Thank you so much for your time. I hope that I know we'll be covering you deep in the playoffs this year and we look forward to it. Absolutely. We look forward to talking to you guys again. Thank you so much to Nazem Kadri for his time. And Linda, I know you and I are both dog people, but I had to ask him about his cat. <laughs> I like this answer. I know. I know. I just feel like cat people are stigmatized. So I'm glad that he got it out there. Mrs. Jazzy, I believe her name is, seems like a pretty snazzy girl. Five minute major. But it is now time for our next segment. It is one of our new favorite segments of the week. It means we can introduce you to one of the talented people on our ESPN NHL broadcast team. This week, we've got Bob Wischusen, who has quickly become one of my favorite play-by-play guys. But one of the most interesting things about Bob is that he has not called an NHL game in 15 years. He covers the NFL, used to cover hockey, but he's now getting introduced in the mix. So Bob, five-minute major, we're starting it now. What are the biggest differences you notice between broadcasting NHL games back then and in 2022? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny when you're a, just a passive viewer of the sport, you probably don't understand it until your brain and your voice have to keep up with it. You know, getting back into it, I, you know, I mean, I called it in my head when I was a Ranger fan, you're watching games on TV. But, um, but now that I'm in a booth and I actually have to document what's going on, the two things that jump out to me at first that are on a totally different level than they were when I called this sport 15 years ago, the speed and the skill. Obviously, it's just faster, right? These guys are bigger, faster, stronger. The ice looks smaller. There's no room to breathe. The reaction time that they have to have to make plays and think ahead to the next play, I can't even wrap my head around. They have a nanosecond to make a decision. Um and Linda, you might have actually even been doing raps or, or updates on a Ranger yeah. game I called a couple of weeks ago. Um, you might even remember the play. Yeah. The Rangers were playing the Caps at the Garden. This is two or three weeks ago. 
and Julian Gautier <laughs> did, he did like the Artemi Panarin, like top of the circle, toe drag through the legs to the backhand. And <laughs> like when I grew up watching this sport, if like Guy Lafleur did that, you'd be like, oh my God, I can't even believe what I just saw. Now, like a part-time fourth line, sometimes in the lineup, sometimes out guy is doing like the, the playground move. It's amazing. Like the skill is so different all the way through the lineup. So to me, those are the two biggest things that jump out. Like speed and skill are just different level. Yeah, I remember that. Definitely, Bob. You know, um, to your point about how things have changed over the last 15 years since you did your last game before this uh, new chapter for yourself back at ESPN, um, is there, besides the Gautier play, was there a player or a team that you were most looking forward to uh, testing your own skill and going next level, calling the game. Well, I mean, obviously I wanted to see, you know, call an Ovechkin game, a Sidney Crosby game, like the guys that are legends. But the thing that jumps out to me the most, and I guess it's another difference um, that plays into the speed and skill is the fact that like defensemen now are so amazingly talented offensively. Right. Like, when, again, when I was growing up, you know, you'd watch Paul Coffey and he was just a different level. And you imagine that must have been what it looked like when Bobby Orr would do this through everyone. And you're a Rangers fan like Brian Leach just looked different than everyone on the ice. Now it seems like every team has a guy like that. Right? like we're in Nashville and I'm going to get to see Roman Yossi tomorrow night. And um you know, the, the McCarr-Taves combination yeah. in Colorado, or Adam Fox, or McAvoy. I mean, there's so many of those incredibly skilled offensive defensemen that, to me, that's a different thing as well. Like, that, that, that jumps off the page to me because the, the skill level now of guys that are normally, like, you would think their job is to guard them. Their job is to prevent goals. But they are so involved offensively that it, it's just a lot of fun to watch. Well, Bob, we got one really great defenseman goal this year. It was in a great game in Chicago, January 4th, the United Center. Who were you with on that excellent broadcast call? And tell us about it. Uh, Kevin Weeks. It yep. was Cal McCarr. Did that like pirouette along the half boards and won the game in overtime. And I remember like Kevin Weeks, like he felt the spirit. Like he was in... Like he was in a different place. He, I was actually down on one knee at one point, like, do you know, with this. And, um, <laughs> and I remember saying, yeah, I remember saying to myself, it would be awesome if people could have seen his reaction and not just heard it. Uh -huh. And then it turned out that our turnaround camera, like our on-camera camera, was on. And they just kept it rolling. So there actually was a camera behind us that recorded what he looked like seeing the goal and reacting to it he posted it on twitter and it was like months later it was still being repurposed because you know he just he felt the lord when he saw kale mccarr score that yeah goal. It was, yeah he was he, he, he went to church with that one it was awesome way to finish with an exclamation point bob the five minutes of the five minute major segment is up and uh you were outstanding thanks anytime but that's what we'd expect from a jersey guy 
Our thanks to Bob Rasheusen for joining us. He has quickly become one of my favorite colleagues. He's awesome and calls an awesome game. I worked with him for the first time in DC, Linda, um, and I was back in DC last week. And that is my transition here because we're bringing you our new segment. We're excited to uh, give this one. Behind the scenes from between the benches. As you guys know, Linda and I are always at rank, sometimes between the benches, and we see things, we hear things, and sometimes we just want to share stories. So, Linda, I was at the Caps game, and it's during warm-ups and between the benches, and, you know, players just, like, sometimes skate up and say hi, especially if you know them. Um, and I've gotten to know Evgeny Kuznetsov over the years. So he comes, and he skates up, and he puts up his skate because he's, like, stretching his hammy, and he sees me. He goes, oh, hey. I'm like, hi, Evgeny. He goes, oh, ESPN game? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, let me guess, ESPN Plus? <laughs> and that's it it's just that players yeah. like to joke about the espn plus like the rest of us yeah you know what's so funny and that remind me when you said with because uh, nets put his leg up on the bench right near you that's what matt martin did to me when i did an islander game in seattle a couple weeks ago and then he, they start having a conversation and i go hey matt and he's like uh, hey, Linda, how are you doing? I go, and, and they're, they're very intrigued also by the monitors we have, right? They're always like looking, whether they're not putting their skate up during warmups, but they're on the other side of the glass because they still have those glass partitions up on each side of the bench. And they're always peeking. I remember Phil Kessel always is guilty of that peeking and seeing the monitor, like the big jumbotron isn't big enough, right? For them to see or their, or their iPads. They just want to see how we're looking at the game. It's funny. No, you're so right. There's been so many times in games where guys have like looked over and just asked me, like in the last game too, the Carolina Hurricanes, Stephen Lorenz looked over and goes, what a great setup you have. Right. No, because they're just always constantly trying to look at their small ones that are hidden under their bench or they have to go find the iPads for just to play. So coming up, um, we are about to show you a segment of the interview that I did with Jack Eichel. I flew to Vegas last week to sit with him. He is going to play his first game back in Buffalo this Thursday night, we'll have the game on ESPN+. Plus. I will be there between the benches, and it's going to be a scene. I mean, they drafted this guy number two overall in 2015. Linda, you were at that draft. First, like, what do you remember about that draft and what they were saying about Jack at the time? I remember uh, how excited I was to be there because it was two generational players being picked one and two, and how rare is that? And at that time, 2015, it kind of was. And we all knew what was going to happen, obviously, with McDavid one, Eichel two. But I was just very impressed at that time with Jack Eichel because, you know, he knew where he was going. He knew the writing on the wall. Um, he's used to winning and he knew he was going to have a career of losing. And it was just interesting. And I know, you know, I'm really looking forward to your sit down, Emily. Um, but it's just interesting when I hear him talk about now, and I'm sure he spoke to you about this, whether on camera or off, that it, this is the first time playing with the Vegas Golden Knights that... He's playing meaningful games. I mean, think about that. At first time in the NHL, playing meaningful games, where he knew, of course, being drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, the meaningful game category goes out the window after the first few weeks of the season, sadly. It's just the way it's been for him. And then all of it, when it went down, uh, I, I'm looking forward to what I don't think will be a warm welcome, let's put it that way, in Buffalo uh, whether it's Jack's fault or not, I don't think it is. I just think the, some of those fans are very unforgiving. Yeah, they are. And, you know, like that is one of the things that I got into with Jack is, you know, what he expects the reaction to be. And I think he knows, he said, I'm not sure, but he knows and he admitted it's going to be awkward. Um, but what he said is he just kind of hoped that fans 
would not just focus on the last year and the messiness and the disagreement over the surgery and the rift with management. And think of the body of work, because the truth is he really did fight hard for that city and he became a great star in this league in that city. And he wanted to do better. Um, it just never had the teams around him. So we get into all of that. It's an interesting interview and here's a snippet of it. Jack, how are you feeling physically, mentally? I feel good. Um, it's just been really nice to be back playing hockey again and just getting into the grind of the season. Um, you know, uh, you know, we've been struggling for a few few games, but um, when you're away from it as much as you as as much as I had been, um, you know, you even appreciate the losses and the adversity and the grind. You know, it's uh, when you're not in it, you're you're missing it, and um, so it's just it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to be back doing this. You spent the first six years of your career in Buffalo, the team yeah. that drafted you. What's it been like adjusting to a new team and a new city for the very first time? Uh, honestly, it's been pretty smooth. Um, the organization's the organization's top notch, and and making sure that uh, you know they kind of take care of everything in, in terms of moving and making you feel comfortable here. And you know the group of guys in the locker room have done the same. So you know it's been an easy transition. I think just uh, you know trying to build chemistry with the guys on the ice is uh, is the most important thing now. It's uh, you know, you spend uh, you spend a lot of time playing with the same players and um, in the same organization, so you get comfortable. And you know, when you when you make a move, you obviously uh, you know there's change, and um, you know there's there's things that we do differently here than in Buffalo. So just try and get used to it as soon as possible. And um, but uh, it's it's been uh, it's been real uh, real smooth so far. You spent some really good years in Buffalo, and even though yeah. you weren't able to find team success, you became a star in this league, that yeah. franchise. What memories do you cherish the most from your time in Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, I had so many great memories there. Um, I have so so many people to thank, and so many people that I was fortunate enough to get to know and play with. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to play my first NHL game there, which you know was uh, was you know that's that's a dream come true for for any kid. And um, you know, I feel like I grew there. I built some you know incredible relationships, and you know, I felt like I was able to make an impact on the community, which is what I wanted to do. So um, you know, like you said, we didn't. We didn't find the team success, but, um, you know, you can never overlook the, uh, you know, just the idea of getting the opportunity to play in the NHL. And I never take that for granted. You didn't find team success in Buffalo. How did all of that losing affect you personally? Yeah, it wears you down. Um, it's never easy to, it's never easy to lose. And, uh, you have expectations every season and, um, you know, you work and, uh, you know, you, you look for, you know, success both personally and as a team and um you know when we weren't able to find you know that team success it was it was definitely tough at times and you know you're filtering out coaches and and gms and um yeah it was it, you know it, it wore me out and i'm sure it wore a lot of guys out it's uh it's not easy you can feel the pressure there and um you know the pressure to have a you know success and win and um you know when you're not able to do that it, it definitely uh takes a toll on you what do you think it's going to feel like to get on that ice in Buffalo for the first time wearing a Vegas Golden Knights jersey? Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a little bit awkward at first, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's hockey. And um, whenever you get out there, you're just competing against the other team. And, you know, it's something that we've been doing our whole lives. So, uh, you know, after the first little bit, it should be fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it should be should be an interesting night. Um, you know, who knows how the uh, who knows what type of reaction I'll get. Um, but. I'm excited and, um, you know, it's just another another opportunity to play hockey. Yeah. How do you think the fans are going to react to see you out there for the first time yeah. as an opponent? You know, I'm not sure. Um, 
you know, I think about my time in Buffalo, it obviously ended a little bit messy, but, um, you know, I hope they can over, they can look past some of the things that happened maybe in the last year and, you know, think about, uh, you know, the previous, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, five and a half, six years that I was there and, you know, everything that, uh, that I try to do for the community, uh, everything that I, uh, you know, feel like I, you know, put forth, uh, you know, on the ice as a, as a hockey player. And, um, you know, I just tried to, you know, do as much as I could, uh, for the city. And, um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate to have, have had the opportunity to play in Buffalo. It's, uh, it's a great place to play hockey and, um, you know, they obviously care a lot about their team and, um, when I was there, they took care of me very well. So I, you know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about the city or, or the people there. What message might you have for Buffalo Sabres fans? Uh, that's a good question. What message would I have for them? Well, you know, first I'd, I'd uh, you know, obviously like to say, I wish we had more success in my time there. Um, but I, I'd like to thank them uh, for all their support over the years. And, and even their continued support, I think, you know, through the, you know, through the past year, uh, some of the stuff that uh, happened with the team, I, I, I still felt like, um, you know, the, the, the people in, in the city and the fans were, were supportive and by my side. And, um, you know, I thank them for that. It was, uh, you know, it was a great, uh, it was a great time, you know, prior to, you know, me getting injured and, um, you know, they were, they were nothing but great to me. So I just like to thank them for that. And, and, you know, always being great to my family and, and my friends and, and taking care of me during my time there. How did you find out that your captaincy was going to be removed in Buffalo? I was in my driveway and Kevin Adams called me. <laughs> um, I had spoken, uh, my agent, uh, had called me a few days prior and just said, Hey, listen, like this might be coming. And, uh, I wasn't too thrilled about it. And, uh, I voiced that opinion to him. And, uh, then Kevin called me a few days later and just said, Hey, listen, this is the route we're going. And, uh, I voiced my opinion to him and, um, I wasn't too happy about it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's over with and uh, whatever. What emotions were going through your mind at that time? I was frustrated. Um, if you think about the reason why you took a captaincy away from me, it was because I didn't agree with you medically. Uh, and then, you know, you basically told me not to come around for training camp. So, um, <laughs> at that point, I just felt like they were toying with me. So I was just, I was pretty over it. What was going through your mind when you found out you were going to be on the Vegas Golden Knights? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, this was the place I wanted to be more than anywhere. So, um, I, I was definitely pretty excited. Uh, it was, it was an emotional moment. Uh, I actually remember maybe a week before the trade, um, you know, I, I got a call from my agent and we thought maybe it was going to, it was close, you know, but it, it Ended up not getting done, but, um, you know, I knew there were a few teams sort of at the, at that time that were, that were in the mix to maybe get a deal done. And, um, yeah, it happened late at night. I was actually laying in bed. My phone wasn't working. I missed a call from, uh, from Kevin, uh, Kevin Adams. And then I just called him back and that's when he informed me that I got traded here. And, uh, it was just a sense of relief, you know, uh, you know, getting a call from Kelly and getting a call from George and, and, uh, and Mr. Foley, like, you know, just so welcoming and, and, um, so supportive of, of sort of what I wanted to do. And, uh, I couldn't have been happier. So you come here to Vegas and you're not wearing the C Mark Stone is, yeah. and then there's two other guys on the roster, yeah. Max Pacioretty and Alex Petrangelo, who've also been captains of yeah. their future former teams. What's it been like trying to figure out where you fit in this new dynamic? 
Oh, it's, it's been easy. I mean, I, you know what? I, I think uh, more than anything, I try and be myself. I tried to be myself when I was named captain in Buffalo. Try not to change too much of, of how I was prior to that. And you know what? I think, I think that's the most important thing. Everyone's going to, everyone's going to lead a different way. And for me, it's, you know, it's the same. I don't, I don't change whether I have a letter on or, or not. And uh, yeah, I mean, just coming here, there's, you know, a lot of established leaders in our locker room and uh, that's a, that's a good thing to have. That's a, when you have a couple guys that have worn a C, it's, it's a good problem to have in your room. And um, you know, you look at patch has played a long time in this league and uh, he's, he's a guy, he doesn't even have a letter here. So um, there's a lot of leaders and there's leaders in this room that don't have letters and, but we're fortunate to have some of the guys we have like Stoney and Petro and some of these guys that have played a long time and, um, you know, have won and had success. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been great getting to learn from them and be around them and just see the other way the things, the things that they do. What do you think of when you think about the possibility of playing in the Stanley cup playoffs for the very first time this year? Yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, it's a long way to go. We got a, you know, we got a good, good schedule coming up here in, in uh, the month of March and, you know, push towards the end of the season. And, um, but yeah, that's the goal, right? The goal is to give yourself a chance to win the Stanley cup and you got to get in the playoffs. So, uh, I think the bar that, uh, that's set for this organization is, is to win the Stanley cup every year. And that's a great, uh, you know, that, that's a great, uh, great bar to have. And, um, when that's your expectation every season, and that's, that's a really good thing. So, you know, that's our expectation is, uh, is to be there at the end. How much pressure do you feel to perform here in Vegas like you did in Buffalo? You know, it's funny. I think about this sometimes by myself and um, I think you put pressure on yourself to perform because that's what you want to do. And um, you want to you want to score, you want to help your team win, you, you want to compete, you, you know, you want to make a difference. And uh, that's how I was in Buffalo. That's how I am here. But, um, you know, I, I think it's I think at times maybe in Buffalo, I put too much pressure on myself and uh, I think it took a toll on me mentally kind of, uh, you know, leaving games, going home at night. It was, uh, it was tough at times, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself and it feels like maybe if things don't go well, it's, it's all on you. And, um, you know, since, since coming here, I, I've tried to try to kind of give myself a little more of a break, you know, um, you know, if I do the right things, if, if I have good habits and, if I work hard, um, you know, some, sometimes it's just not going to go your way. And, uh, but I, I think pressure is a good thing. It's a privilege. It means you have high expectations and I'm trying to, trying to do that for myself. How close to a hundred percent do you feel? Uh, <laughs> I'm not there yet. I think, uh, whenever you take a, as long of a break as I took off and, uh, you have a major surgery and you come back, it's, you know, like, uh, you know, you watch the NFL, some of these guys, you know, they're trying to come back from, you know, ACLs or major injuries. It, it takes a little bit and you see it over the course of a season, like at the beginning of the year, maybe they're a little, they're a little behind and then start coming. And, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to stay patient through the process. It's, it's a process. And if I could just keep getting better every game and start feeling more and more like the, uh, the old Jack, I'll, I'll be happy. And, um, you know, that's sort of the mindset I've had. Emily, great job. I'm really looking forward to seeing the complete interview with Jack Eichel. And again, uh, to no fault of his, uh, you know, the way it ended in Buffalo wasn't pretty. The way Kevin Adams took the C off his jersey away from him, that didn't help uh, the cause. And I think just there's been a lot of, uh, lot of emotions building, uh, waiting, circled on the calendar for this big night. 
And so, uh, yeah, I mean, he needs to get this past him and then move on with the rest of his life and his career. And for his sake, hopefully it's into the playoffs for the first time as an NHL player uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, no, it's um honestly, I'm just Vegas Golden Knights are the gift that keep on giving. They're just drama and storyline after another. And you're right. This is going to be a night and he knew it was coming and he's going to have to get it off his chest. But the truth is this team needs him down the stretch because they're not in the best playoff position right now. They're kind of fighting for their playoff lives. They're trying to gel um, all of these players together. They haven't really been healthy. So we shall see what happens. I still think they're going to be the most likely two seed in the Pacific division. They're not going to catch up with the flames. I think they're going to be okay. Um, but it's been some dicey couple weeks, but Linda coming up, I will be in Buffalo for that game between the benches. So I'll get to see firsthand uh, how loud the boos are every time Jack touches the puck. And then Saturday I'll be in Raleigh. It's our ABC game. Um, the Philadelphia Flyers for the second week in a row. Love seeing them always. And the Carolina Hurricanes, though, who just don't get enough national love. But Linda, I'm a little nervous because I've been told that Canes fans hate when they're on national TV because they apparently always lose. And I think it's our fault. So, yeah, I, I think to get that out there ahead of time. I think Red Wings fans are the same way. They have an awful record when they're on ESPN plus ESPN. They're saying the same thing uh, for your big night in Buffalo. I'll be doing cut ins for that game. We have three games on our airwaves on Thursday night and the Vegas Buffalo game is just one of them. Uh, you know, so a busy night for ESPN plus and Hulu and our family and network. So, uh, you know, they'll be busy tomorrow night. It's a good night of hockey on Thursday night for sure. All right. Uh, that's it. Um, boy, I hope you listeners are satisfied. We love having all of the, the new segments and the great guests Our thanks to all of them. And, uh, we'll talk next time. For Emily, I'm Linda. Bye. Bye.